Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am Mark Hedegar. I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be the pastor at Salisbury Center, United Methodist Church, where we expect miracles, recognize miracles, and celebrate miracles together. The vision here at Salisbury Center is to love God and others, to serve as an example, to plant seeds of hope, and to nurture one another so that we can make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. A couple of announcements today. We have uh, quite a bit going on this week, as most churches do. Uh, Wednesday the 21st, we will have a blue Christmas service uh, starting at 6 o'clock. And if anybody asks what that is, I tell them, you know, that's a service for people that are feeling the blues during Christmas time. Maybe they're lonely, maybe they lost a loved one, lost a friend, um, or maybe just having problems, you know, getting in that Christmas spirit. Maybe their faith level's a little low, um, whatever it might be. I know it made a big difference in my life many, many years ago. So invite anybody you can, Blue Christmas, Wednesday, uh, 6 o'clock. We have a Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock Saturday. Um, there will be no... Uh, worship service on Christmas Day. Uh, the church talked and decided that they would like to continue with their family traditions, um, my wife and I as well. So uh, there will not be a service Sunday. Beginning in January, uh, the church is going to move the service from 10 o'clock to 9 o'clock. So we're going to stay with one service, uh, but they're going to move it to 9 o'clock to try to accommodate uh, people that were asking for that early service. This morning's memory verse comes from Psalm 80, verse 3. Psalm 80, verse 3. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. Amen. Let us pray. In the hushed anticipation of your coming, O Lord, remind us that you're always with us that like Joseph, we might always be eager to fulfill your will and be eager to pray. O oh God, in days to come, the mountain of your house will be established and your joy shall reign. We pray for the church that you might teach us your ways and that we might walk in your paths. Come, Lord Jesus, and hear our prayer. Out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and you, O oh God, shall judge between the nations. We pray for our nation and all nations that your peace would be manifest in every corner of the earth. Come, Lord Jesus, and hear our prayer. In your kingdom, O God, wolves lie down with lambs and children play with serpents without fear. We pray for the sick, the suffering, and those in distress of any kind, that you would heal all injuries, comfort all grief, and settle all wrongs. Come, Lord Jesus, and hear our prayer. In your kingdom, O Lord, even the wilderness and dry land are glad and rejoice. We pray for our people that we might obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing might flee away. Come, Lord Jesus, and hear our prayer. In the fullness of time, O God, you sent your Son to be born of our sister Mary. And his name was Emmanuel. God with us. We thank you for your presence with us, and we pray that you might always 
be present with those whom we love, but see no longer. Come, Lord Jesus, and hear our prayer. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers, restore us, and show us the glorious light of your countenance, that we might be saved. Father God, you caused light to shine out of darkness in the advent of Jesus, our Christ. You constantly open to us the ways we are to prepare. We confess our unwillingness to see the light and to walk in your ways. We've not always opened our eyes to the needs of others, and our feet have wandered from the paths of justice and peace. We ask that the Spirit of Christ be born anew within us, that our hearts be stirred to glorify the Nativity with acts of compassion and service. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you would please join me with a call to worship. Come away from times of weariness. Dare to accept the energy God offers you. Restore our energy, O source of all power. Let your goodness flow through us. Come away from all your insignificant distractions. Dare to let God show you a larger picture. Help us to examine the flow in our lives. Reveal to us what is important. Come away from the scorn of enemies. Dare to laugh with those who have laughed at you. Lead us to think of others in new ways. Surely God's face shines on us to strengthen us. Gifts of grace and peace are ours to receive. God helps us turn away from doing evil. God equips us to choose what is good. Amen. At this time, they would be lighting the uh, Advent wreath, and I will do the readings. Reader 1, Isaiah said that the Lord spoke to the king and said, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But when the king refused, God would not be stopped. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Reader 2, God wants us to know, even when we aren't sure ourselves. God wants us to experience God's presence, even when we think we can handle life on our own. God sends us signs of God's presence with us. All we need to do is keep our eyes open and look. Reader 1. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Reader 2, we light these candles, the candle of joyous hope, of proclaimed peace, of deep everlasting joy, and today of presence that speaks of love as a sign that no matter our circumstance, we know we're not alone. Praise God. This morning's Lady Scripture comes from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph 
being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Praise God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We move to joys and concerns this morning, and uh, been a tough week for a lot of families. We had a couple funerals, one uh, up on the mountain where I live, and uh, and then I did a funeral for our, our sweet sister, Agnes Kaiser, uh, Thursday. So if you would just keep Bob Kaiser and his family in your prayers, I would certainly appreciate that. Uh, we continue to lift Mr. H up, my neighbor, my friend. Uh, we continue to lift Darlene up. And I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head. I apologize, but um, you know. You know some people that need to be prayed for. So if you would just keep them in mind as we pray this morning, you can yell out their names. Uh, but, but let's give them to the Lord. It's such a tough time to go through these things uh, during the holidays, distracting us from, from the meaning and joy of Christmas. So let's, uh, let's offer that all to the Lord. He already knows what's on our hearts, so let's give it to him this morning. Let us pray. Father God, as we enter the Christmas season, we want to take time to thank you for sending your son to be born as a baby and to become our Savior so that he can bring peace into the hearts of those that believe and joy to those that find their hope in him. Lord, we know that only in him is true peace and lasting joy to be found. And as we sing the Christmas carols and choruses this Christmas season, we pray that true joy would come into the world and that many would find their peace. Lord, there are so many sad and troublesome things to face in the world today, which too often cause our hearts to become weighed down with difficulties and doubts. But I pray that your joy would fill our hearts and strengthen our souls, and that times of joyful laughter would replace those seasons of weeping and hardship. You are the reason we're alive, and you know all our pains. Please give us your comfort and bring healing to our lives. We know you watch over your creation. This is your world. Earth is your footstool. We on earth are people you created. When we feel depressed and confused over all that's happening around us, help us to remember that you are there. You comfort us. You fill us with your peace. Remind us you are there in the storms of our lives. Calm our fear and give us your peace. 
when we're hurting and sick and don't know what to do, please be with us. Give us patience to endure the pain that we're dealing with. Let us remember that Jesus suffered on the cross for us, and our suffering is only a portion of what he suffered. Let us remember to think of you when we suffer and think of Jesus, the Son. You care for us because we know you are loving, kind, and good. You are wonderful, our teacher, our hope, and our lives depend on you. You give us breath, life, and truth. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Father, for taking care of your children. Save us from the evil one. Amen. The title to this morning's message is Light, Love, and Life. Light, Love, and Life. We know now that the season of Advent is a period of both repentance and celebration. Christians around the world spend time spiritually preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ. Last week we lit the candle of joy. We said joy was a deep-seated sense in what God has done, is doing, and will do in our lives, and that joy is meant to be a hallmark of the Christian life. It means paying attention to what is right, and that God is still at work in our family, our community, and our congregation. We agreed as Christians we should be the most joyful people on earth no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're going through. Today we light the candle of love. The Bible tells us God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. So, as a body of Christ, we're members of one family. God is our Father, and we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. As Christians, we're called to show our love for one another in a way that lifts and encourages other believers. Our hope is that our love also catches the interest and attention of non-believers, those who haven't met Christ yet or accepted him into their lives. Our goal is to make them want what we have. And I've said it before, what we have is Jesus Christ and the promise of spending eternity with him. A promise to forgive us for all our sins when we confess and repent. A promise to bless us with the Holy Spirit and an offer to carry our burdens. Love is such an integral part of God's plan and purpose that Jesus identified it as the greatest commandment. Remember the Pharisees tried to trick Jesus into picking which one of those 613 laws was the greatest. And we hear him respond in Matthew 22, 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. From Genesis to Revelation, we get a glimpse of who God is and 
what he desires for us, his children. We see what he was willing to do and is willing to do to lead us into salvation and then to spend eternity with him. And of course, that included offering his son to die for our sins so that we might live. God gives each of us gifts, and we show our love for him when we put those gifts to work in our homes, our work, in our communities. We're called to let the world know we are Christians by our love. The Bible, of course, is full of Scripture commanding us to love, but it also teaches us how to love. Ephesians 4, 31 instructs us to put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. We are called to love and forgive as God loves and forgives us. He didn't promise it would be easy. He never once mentioned it was going to be easy. But that is our calling, to love and forgive as God loves and forgives us. Proverbs 17.9 tells us, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. We need to see Jesus when we see people. Not their faults, not their sins, not their skin color, not their professions, not their tattoos, not their piercings, not which phone they have, what which updated model they have, or, or what clothes they wear. We're told love promotes peace because it covers or forgives the faults of others. Love does not hold on to offenses, but covers them up by forgiving those who do wrong. What better time than Advent to forgive those in our lives that have hurt us? In 1 Peter 4, 8, we're commanded to, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Since God has loved and his followers, us, those who have accepted Christ, should also love. Because he loves us, we must love one another. A true Christian, one saved by grace and filled with God's love, must live in love toward God and others. I read somewhere that learning the words of the Lord and then not putting Action behind those words is like reading recipes and then not cooking anything. Learning the words of the Lord and then not putting action behind those words is like reading recipes and then not cooking anything. So the true test, the true test of a Christian's love is not what he or she says, but what he or she does. It's how we live and how we treat other people how we react when we're hurt. We hear this in 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Our expression of love and forgiveness should be so attractive that it draws others into the family of God. In a world of trouble and strife and selfishness and hatred, our love can give people hope. It can give people peace, and if they come to know the Lord, it will give them eternity with Jesus 
and our Father God. In 1 Corinthians, which is called the famous love chapter, the Apostle Paul explains the priority of love over all other aspects of life. In verses 1 through 3, we hear Paul tell the Christians, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. In verses 4 through 8, he goes on to describe that love. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. These words on love spoken by Paul are so significant, you've probably heard them at almost every wedding you've ever attended. And while faith, hope, and love stand above all spiritual gifts, Paul asserted that the greatest of these is love. We hear his words in verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see, faith and hope will no longer be needed once we're in the presence of God because it's come to fruition. But love, love will last forever, for eternity. In some of the most striking verses of the New Testament, we're told a supreme manifestation of love. When a person voluntarily gives up his or her life for a friend. John 15, 13 tells us no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is how we know what love is. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice when he laid down his life for us on that cross. Us, meaning you and me. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. He died so we may live and live for eternity. 1 John 3.16 tells us we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Yes, we are called to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, I don't necessarily think that laying down our lives means dying. It could. But it also means forgiving others and loving others, even when we don't feel like they deserve it. It means sacrificing our time to check in on people without family. It might mean making a phone call even when our schedules are full and we feel like we don't have the time for it. It means we hold Jesus Christ as the example on how we treat people, not as the world treats them. And yes, we're even called to love our enemies 
and those that do evil against us. May I remind you, Jesus never said it would be easy. Matthew 5, 44-47 commands us to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? We are called to love, pray for, and forgive others as God loves and forgives us. Proverbs 17.9 tells us love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. I don't need to repeat that again. Just take a look around our country. We're witnessing levels of hate and violence I've never witnessed before. Again, we we see family against family, neighbor against neighbors, and 24-hour news coverage that stirs up more hate, more anger. This is not why we were created, brothers and sisters. We were created in the image of God, but we've slowly removed them from our schools, our government, and sometimes our very own homes. Love promotes peace because it covers or forgives the faults of others. Love does not hold on to offenses, but covers them up by forgiving those who do us wrong. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. (laughs) As the saying goes, if it was easy, everyone would do it. We're called to be apart from the world. But in a world of trouble and strife and selfishness, our love can give hope to people, a hope that leads to peace in their lives. I say it again, we need to see Jesus when we see people, nothing else. We're called to let the world know we're Christians by our love. People should see Jesus when they see us serving them with love and grace, absent of judgment or condemnation. We're called to come out from the world, to be set apart from how they think and definitely how they act. Luke six twenty-seven through 28 commands us to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This world's in desperate need of hope, brothers and sisters, but we can have an impact as we share our love. The command is simple and found in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. We can bring hope to this fallen, hurting world a hope that can only be found in Christ. Our intentional expression of love, forgiveness, and grace should be so attractive, it causes others to come to know the Lord. I believe one of the first Bible verses we all learned as a child was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Let us change the world, starting with our own lives.
May we seek the help of the Holy Spirit this week as he puts the names of people we are to forgive on our hearts. And then may we follow the example of our Lord and Savior and not only forgive them, but learn to love them. Ryan Dunn wrote, A gift came into the world that first Christmas, a wonderful gift of light. The light was love, a love that dispels darkness, coldness, and fear. The light, of course, was Jesus. Jesus was given that the world may see a witness to light, love, and life. Light, love, and life. Those are the gifts of Christmas. As we leave here today, may we reflect the light and love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to a world that's lost hope. Let us pray. Father God, we've pulled out the Advent wreath, the Christmas tree and the poinsettias. We dusted off the Christmas hymns, unsung for a year, and unearthed the words of your prophets. Yes, in your eyes, these efforts are for nothing without the regular, persistent, deep pursuit of justice for all people. Our efforts are hollow without consistent work toward peace, reconciliation, and participation in your mission for creation. In our hearts, we do long to be your people, to carry out your mission, to be lights in the darkness, proof that no darkness can overcome your truth. Awaken us to action. Stir us to courage. Awaken us to prepare a way in the wilderness for your coming. Clear the brush of oppression, racism, injustice, and hopelessness so that all may see your light and perceive your coming. As we navigate this season of Advent, remind us again that in the midst of our darkness, you are bringing us peace to calm our anxious spirits and hectic lives. Turn our hearts again towards you. Make us ready to receive your Son, our Savior. Slow our pace and give us a blessing of feeling your peace in our spirits. We pray all this in Christ's precious name. Amen. And thanks for God's gifts and in response to the tears of so many of God's children, we now gather all we brought to share, praying these resources will accomplish much good among us and far beyond our individual reach. We move to the offering this morning, and I, th I thank you. Thank you that in, in the midst of higher gas prices and food prices and energy costs for, for our homes, that you are still faithful and obedient to your church. Thank you for blessing this community. Let us pray. Holy God of hope and promise, when the children were in deep despair, you promised them a sign, the indication of a Savior coming into their midst. As, you, as we bring our tithes and offerings this day, so many of us are discouraged trying to find our way. We need your sign. We need your Son. Not as simply a reminder of history, but as a new direction, a revolution of love that starts in our hearts, a resurrection of compassion that looks beyond self and the accumulation of more and more things that just don't satisfy us. We need what only a Savior can give us. Guide us by your signs on this day and as we begin the journey to Bethlehem once again. In the Savior's name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. God still sends signs. Open your eyes to the possibility of grace. God still sends signs. Embrace the child of hope. God still sends signs. Let the song of joy send you forth in peace. Go with the God who still sends signs. And I receive the benediction. May the everlasting love of God enfold you in blessing. May the Spirit's light shine before you. And may the embrace of the Holy Child keep you this night and always. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe, stay connected, and stay in his word. God bless you all.